He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Thank you. Please close your eyes with me. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for what you put on the calendar today, that today should be, today should behold an event like this. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being the chosen vessel that you have chosen to use today. I pray for unction. I pray for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, take absolute control. Lord, you are the potter, I am the clay. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable to you. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth and lead us into the will of the Father. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you that the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life that they will fall on good soil and yield much fruit. I come against anything that is in opposition to your word. I pull down every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, and I bring it into the obedience of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for a hallowed time in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Well, I want to thank God for this opportunity. I think every time I have to speak that God could have used so many vessels, but that he chose a vessel of clay like me humbles me. So I want to thank God for that privilege. I also want to thank my husband, Bishop Dag. for releasing me to be here. Because if your husband doesn't release you, you're going to have a lot of problems. So I thank him and I thank God for his covering over me. Amen. And also for the Woman of Substance Ministry for inviting us and for giving birth to such a vision. God bless you. And for all of you being here, God bless you. And for all the lady pastors, thank you for coming along. Amen. Amen. Well, this evening I have been given a topic, and I intend to be obedient. And it's about daughter, have 
a balance in your life. Amen? Now some people say, why do women like to have women's meetings? And why should there be women's meetings? It's not because women like to have women's meetings. But it's because the Bible says in Titus 2-3 that the older women should teach the younger women. And it doesn't say just any older woman. It says that the older woman should not be given to wine, should not be a slanderous person, and should be a teacher of good things. So these are the three qualifications for the type of older woman who can impart to a younger woman. Because not all older women teach good things. Sometimes older women can teach out of their bitter experiences. You can preach out of your bitter experience if it's drawing a good lesson. Sometimes we preach out of our bitter experiences instead of the word of God. And we make our experiences that say the Lord. But that shouldn't be. And then it goes on to list what the younger women should be taught. And it says, among other things, that the older women should teach them to love their husbands. I thought you loved your husband before you married him. But when you get married and you are walking on the road of marriage, there are times when to love your husband does not come naturally and it has to be taught. Amen. To love their children. You yourselves know how sometimes when you are home, you are so some way. And you think you are so right. And you discuss among yourselves. Does your mother also do that? I know, right? They are so whatever, you know. But it's just a matter of time. You will also get to that stage. And you will look at your children and see how immature they are. And you will give them grace for that. So when the Bible says to love their children, it is natural for mothers to love their children, but children are not always lovable or easily lovable. To be discreet is something that the older woman is enjoined by the Bible to teach. To be sober. To be discreet. Even in your dressing, you should be discreet. We'll come to all that. And so the idea of women's meeting did not come from women just feeling coy and saying, let's meet together. The Apostle Paul, before you and I were born, perceived the idea long ago. And he was talking to Titus, a man. And he said, when it comes to this area, let the older women teach the younger women. And so I think that this evening's conference is in the right direction. And I salute the ladies who have put it together. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, A false balance is an abomination to God. Amen. It means that God demands some form of balance in our lives. Now, when you go to the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. Amen. So, 
that is the theme that everybody needs some balance in their lives. Some people invest so much in the flesh, you know, as ladies, the number of hours you start doing your weave on cannot be compared to the number of hours, let's say, you spend in prayer. Sometimes you even go and do the weave on and you come back the next day to continue. And you buy brufin or paracetamol because all your temples here are hurting you. So not only are you even using time, but you are also taking up your cross when it comes to doing of hair. Amen, ladies? Sometimes it is dieting. Some people say, oh, my midriff is too wide. I want it to be this size. My hair is this. I want it to be this. So because of that, you go through a whole disciplinary action. You won't eat. You won't do this. You are so finicky. You want some of us to, we finish eating. Say, oh, I have to skip. Oh, to skip the fat off. So when it comes to the body, we are looking at many things. Sometimes some of us over invest in emotional things. So that you can be out of balance in so many ways. You know, sometimes all that we are thinking about is the latest fashion. And then you are looking at a model on a television whom you don't know. And then you say, oh, Halle Berry, I want to be like her. She's so beautiful. But once I read her life history, and I thought, how many people should really want to be like her? You look, like, you look at Whitney Houston, and you say, oh, I want to be like her. But you don't know her animals in her life and her beasts. But you are just looking at her figure. And you say, I want to be like her. And you don't know that many of the stars have a lot of artificial things they've done. Even some people look at their arms and say, oh, my arm is too fatty. I have to go and do liposuction. And they are prepared to pay for it to get that arm size that they want. So sometimes we are so focused on this body that will die one day, be buried, and be eaten by maggots. And that can lead us to be out of balance. Some of us, too, are so spiritual that we are of no earthly use. Why is it that when I said the body, you didn't say I'm preaching good? But when I said some people are over spiritual, then you say you are preaching good. I was preaching good when I spoke about the body too. Amen? Amen. Some of us are over spiritual. It is not that you should not be spiritual. I think that when you say balance, it doesn't mean everything should be 33 one 33-1-3%, 33-1-3%. It is saying that Things should be in the right proportion. For instance, when you are eating, we are told that many diseases are lifestyle diseases. And you are often advised to eat more vegetable, more protein, and less carbohydrate. But in Ghana, most of us eat more carbohydrate, less protein, and zero vegetables and fruits. 
But when I ask you, say, I have eaten. Lady Reverend, I have eaten very well. So some things are more vital than others. And therefore, they cannot be in the same proportions. So balance is not when everything is in equilibrium, as in quantities, but when priorities are set right. And other things that should follow, follow in the right direction. That is what balance is. Amen. So some of us, we are good at praying. We are good at reading our Bibles. We are good at preaching. But we don't have a balance in our social life. You don't know how to make conversation. You don't know how to be nice. Everything they ask you, you cannot relate to it. You are also out of balance. Amen. Some of us too, our parents brought us here to learn. But academically, the mind is out of balance. The only thing your mind is on is on John. Your waking moments, your sleeping moments, your dreaming moments are this John. Now the Bible says that God says, my glory I will share with no one. So when a human being is also taking the place of God and is becoming your everything, it doesn't matter whether the human being is a pope, a cardinal, or a potentate. It is out of balance. Because God says in Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of bondage, out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods, including John, besides me. Amen. So tonight, we are believing God to teach us how to have a good and godly balance in our lives. Amen. Now come with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Here Paul is the one praying. After he has told the Thessalonians so many things, he comes to 1 Thessalonians 5. Are we there? Thessalonians is not in the Old Testament. And you better know your word because when life's challenges come, you may have degrees as long as the thermometer, but that is not what is going to save you. It is the word of God that's going to save you. Amen. So Paul says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Wholly means integrally. It means everything included. The God of peace sanctify you wholly. And he talks about the components of that whole. Amen? So he says, I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto his coming. Amen? Your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved. Not your whole spirit alone, not your whole soul alone, not your whole body alone, but all of it be preserved unto his coming. Amen. So therefore, the human being is divided into three parts, which I believe we all know based on this verse. 
Man is a spirit. He has a soul. And he lives in a body. Amen? And that is why it becomes imperative for man to be born again. Because since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, man fell. And man was estranged from God. And man was at enmity with God. So for that bridge to be, that gap to be breached, God sent his son Jesus. That through him, man would use Jesus as a bridge to get to God. So when we say you are born again, your body is not born again. Your soul is not born again. But what becomes born again when you invite Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life is your spirit man. That is why when you become born again, if you were fat 10 minutes before you said the sinner's prayer, you remain fat 10 minutes after. Because when you are born again, your body doesn't change. It remains the same. What changes about you is the spirit man. And that spirit man is supposed to lead the other components of the body, like the soul and the body itself. Amen. Am I making sense here? So when that spirit man becomes born again, it is still a baby. And that spirit man will need to grow. So when Paul says that you'll be sanctified in spirit, he's talking about that spirit man. That if you are not born again, your spirit man is dead and truly wicked according to the nature of the enemy. But when you become born again, God gives you a new spirit. Amen. Amen. Then when you have a soul, everybody has a soul. The soul is made up of your mind, your intellect, what you used to learn. Your reasoning. Amen. Amen. Your will. Your desires. Your emotions are all part of your soul. Then your body is the case which carries all these things. And Paul is saying, you need to be balanced in all these three areas. Amen? Now, what did Paul mean by that? When you look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, he says, I do not fight as one beating the air. Oh, I don't fight as if I don't have an aim. But I keep my body under, and I make it serve me, lest after preaching Christ, I, Paul, I should become a castaway. Not before preaching Christ, not even during preaching Christ, but after preaching Christ. That is why sometimes people are born again, but they can do the most outrageous things. Because if you don't keep your body under, your body will keep you, the spirit man, under. And the body will dominate. The body is like an animal. Unless you chain it, it can disgrace you. Have you not seen that sometimes you say, oh, I'll get up at 3 a.m. to study. But this body will now be snoring. Some of you even dream that you are finished learning. The body has disappointed you. By the time you wake up, you say, oh! And yet, we invest so much in this body. But Paul said, I don't allow my body to be working anyway. 
Any sister you see, you are having thoughts. Any sister you see, God has spoken to you. So today you date that one. Tomorrow you date the next person. The next, there are more seats here. Here, on this side. Tomorrow you are dating somebody else because your body. You see, the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God. But you, you are out of balance, so you are led by your body. So it depends on the vital statistics. Oh, Lady Reverend, she has a bust size of this and a waist size of that and a back side of that. Yes. We will come to all that. Marry somebody you are proud of. But you cannot just be led by the container. The contents matter more than the container. Amen. Because the container, even Paul, let me ask you, have you met Jesus on the way to Damascus? Have you heard a voice and a light around you saying that, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting? I have a job for you with the Gentiles. And has anything like that happened? Have you been to the third heavens? Have you been to the desert of Arabia where you were not taught by any man, but you were taught by the Spirit of God? And yet that man says, I keep my body under. Then what about your two by four body? You. You over there, your two by four body. What are you trying to say? He said, hey, that's for me. My body cannot do certain. Paul said. Paul said to the church of Corinthians, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. It means that this one's tongues, this one's tongues, this, a whole church combined. He speaks in tongues more than all of them. And yet he said, I keep my body and and I make it serve me. Why? Lest after preaching Christ. This body, if you allow it, it can disgrace you. And many of us give the body so much power. And you even feed the flesh by the things you look at. When you look at your phone, we think you are looking at messages, but you are looking at pornography. You are feeding the flesh. When you marry, you have forgotten that the people in the pornographic thing are actors and actresses. And they are being paid for what they do. So your innocent, virgin, creepy wife has said, Reverend, I'm not happy. Why doesn't she do this like the woman in the... The woman in the pornography is blonde. We are also Africans. Excuse me? You are following deceptions of the enemy. You are following things that don't exist. If the people who watch these things are happy and satisfied, then there should be no divorces in Hollywood. There should be no divorces among stars and among people who do these things. But that is where there's the highest rate of divorce. And Christians are now more body-oriented than spirit-oriented. And if you allow the body, no matter how you speak in tongues, your body will disgrace you. So Paul said, I don't beat as if I'm, I don't fight as if I don't know what I'm fighting. I keep, I keep, not an angel, not my pastor, not somebody else. The responsibility of the body 
lies with you as an individual. You are the one who keeps your body under, not somebody does it for you. Even if you call Gabriel, he cannot do that for you. I keep my body under, and I make it serve me. Another version says, I discipline it, and discipline is not always pleasant. Discipline is not always easy, but the believer must discipline the body. Amen? Otherwise, this body, what it will do? You have a beloved. You go and visit the beloved. And then he says, oh, are you tired? Yeah, I'm tired. It's okay. I'm lying here. You to lie by me. Ephesians 4, 27, I believe, says, neither give place to the devil. It says, make no provision for the flesh. But you, when the flesh knocks on your door, you have chamber, hall, bathroom. Oh, flesh, just walk through everywhere. Feel free. When a guest comes and knocks on your door and there's no space, the, 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 the vista cannot perch. But when there's room, the vista can perch. We have made many rooms where our body is concerned. And we give room to the devil. Your beloved can say, are you tired? Yes. So do you want to lie by me? Of course she feels like lying by you. Because she's in love with you. And she is not a wawa board or a stone. She has emotions. Amen? So as you push, lie by me. Say, oh, but you are foul. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Amen? So she's also not keeping her body under just like you. So she draws nigh. And before we know, things have happened prematurely. Like I said, friend, this flesh, I don't know. You have made provision for the flesh. The Bible says, make no provision for them. Because if you give it one foot, it will take a, a mile. That is how the flesh is. So we need to be balanced in our flesh. Amen. We need to be balanced in our bodies. And what we are also not aware of is that our bodies are the temple of the living God. But you are behaving as if your body is a kiosk. A lotto kiosk where anybody can come and buy. In a temple, the things in a temple are sacred. How come you, in your temple, there's nothing sacred? Everything is available. You are out of balance. Where your body is concerned, you are out of balance. And then we say, this Christian life is not easy. Did he say it will be easy? He said, take up your, if any man will come after me, let him deny what? Himself, which is your body and your flesh. It would want many things, but you need to deny it. Body, I'm sorry, you can't have this. Flesh, I'm sorry, because the flesh is the fallen part of man. The reason why the flesh is always craving for something is, in the Garden of Eden, when God came and he was cursing the serpent, he said, dust you will be and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And the Bible says, and God made man out of dust and breathed into his nostrils. So your flesh is dust. 
The devil has also been cursed that dust is all that he will eat. Is it any wonder that there's always war in our members? Paul said, there's war in our members. Why do we not expect war? We expect a party. It is a fight. Look, when you are in love with your beloved and you are crying, you want him to hug you, rub your back, and you know, you say, age, it is normal. <laughs> and by God's grace, when my husband and I were going out, we decided before the body would take control that when we are with each other and you are crying or whatever, I will open the door and I will walk away. Because if I try to come and console you, oh, so how is it? Then the skirt is going up. Then the skirt is going up. Before you know, something has happened. So Christians of today, we make so much provision for the flesh. We were taught in scripture, you know, when you go and visit your beloved, open the door. Whilst you are talking, open the door so that anybody can walk in. And that is a way in which you discipline your body. But you, you go for dance rehearsal. I say, oh, it's late. Oh, I can't walk to Vaco. Can we sleep in your room? Yes, we can. Then you come and sleep there. Then the sisters are in their night. You say, let brotherly love continue. You have made full provision for the flesh. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look lustfully on a woman. By you, you are looking fully. In fact, your meditation is that. Then when you finish, you say, there's no power in my life. I don't understand. I'm always struggling in my Christian life. It's because of the things you are seeing. You are not above the world. And unless we keep our bodies under and make it serve us like Apostle Paul said, it's not going to happen. Amen? Paul said in Romans 7, 23, I believe, 21 to 23, that the good I want to do, I cannot do. The evil I don't want to do, that's what I do. That's what he said. Not me, Paul. He said, I want to do good, but I can't do it. The, the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body? And then he answers, he says, I thank my Lord through Jesus Christ. So the only way we can be delivered from this flesh is through Jesus Christ. And that is why it becomes imperative for you and I to be born again. Because in our, our own strength, we can do nothing. Amen. Now, Lady Reverend, you have said all the bad things about the body. Is there anything positive about the body? I said your body was a temple of the living God. Amen. So when you look at Esther chapter 4 verse 16, Esther was trying like some of you when she prospered to say that, you know, I'm now on a different level and I'm now in a palace. The things that were being outside. You can't come and do in the palace. You see, you Mordecai, you are not polished. So you don't know the things in the palace. But I'm telling you that in the palace, you can't just come and behave anyhow. Esther is just before Job, in case you can't find it. And Mordecai tells her, 
Who knows if you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Don't be deceived or whatever. And what does Esther say in verse 16? Go, gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now this is the, the spiritual side of Esther. She suddenly switched gears or gears, depending on if you're American or British, and said that, go and fast for me. But not that you should fast for me and I should not be doing anything. My maidens and I will also fast for three days, night and day, without eating anything. And then I'll go into the king. That was spiritual Esther. But then when she came to the king in chapter 5, the Bible says, Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther did what? Put on her royal apparel. Some of you, you would have said, I've been fasting. The spirit has moved. So I don't need to dress properly. My mouth should be smelling. My house, my hair should be in another state. And then I'll come and stand before the king because the spirit of God will move. The body needs to be taken care of. You need to look good as a woman. Amen? So yes, the body must be put under, but the body must also look beautiful. So when Esther finished fasting with her maidens, and she didn't say... The kingdom of God is calling. I can't do anything. So now I'm going to stand before the king. And the anointing which breaks the yoke will make the way. No. She went and she put on her royal apparel. Because that also is necessary. Sisters, we must learn to look good. Because we are also the temple of the living God. Now you don't have to look good at the expense of, let's say, your spirit life at the expense of growing up in the things of God, but you need to be balanced. When I was in Scripture Union, every time the Scripture Union people used to wear things that are fast, you see, things that are not in vogue anymore, that's what they wore. And I used to be in Scripture Union, I used to say to myself, I will never marry any of these people here. <laughs> they are so boring. And I, used to have, I had a friend, I told her, I said, I think that, I will, I will convert an unbeliever and marry the unbeliever because the Christians, even when they joke, it's not funny to me. Then they see each other, you know, cream plain. It used to be some out of fashion cream plain. And then they'll be wearing and their thing will be coming. Sister, how are you? I don't want to know. Amen. But we are also an advertisement for God. So ladies must learn to take care of themselves. Personal hygiene, outward hygiene is all important. Amen. And you don't take care of yourself only when you are single. And then when you marry and you have a few children, when we see you, you are wearing wood asubo and then you are walking. Anyhow. You know, the amazing thing is that when we were on campus, the people who were sleek and, you know, they were with it. And they didn't have Christ, most of them. They were with it. They used to dress in a certain way, move in a certain way, and they were like, then after school, when I see them, I can't even recognize them. 
I saw one of them. She was wearing Udasubo. You know Udasubo? Some slippery scarf that when you are going to do an engagement, they say you should bring. I've often wondered why, because you won't wear it anyway. Anyway, she put on the Udasubo, and then she was walking with her husband. I didn't even see her. I just walked past. Oh, at least. Is it possible? So I said, oh, I didn't recognize that. This is my husband, Chrissy. Please greet him. And then I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what that should So even in the years going on, in marriage, in having children, you can still look good. You can still look after yourself well. You can still pay attention. Of course, it's overwhelming. That one, I can't even describe to you because you won't believe it till you get there. Do you understand? But you must make that effort to be balanced. Amen, ladies. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. I'm going to touch on everything small because I have heard that you want to ask some questions, have a question and answer time. So I have to slot all that in. So help you be, give me a cue when you think it's about time. Oh my God, First Peter chapter 3. Are you there? Verse 3. Who's adorning? What does adorning mean? Decoration. You say sporting in this generation. What do you say? Shudder. Who's shuddering? Let it not be that outward, 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 outward adorning of plating the hair. Look, this book was written more than 2,000 years ago. How come it's describing you? Because all scripture is inspired by God. Amen. Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward, outward adorning of plating of hair. Wearing of jewelry or of gold and putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is incorruptible, in a meek and a quiet spirit, which is of great price in the sight of God. Amen. Now, some people quote that to say it means don't do your hair. It means don't wear jewelry. And if that's what it means, it means don't wear clothes. Because it says, who's adorned? Let's not be the outer plating of a, a wearing of gold and putting on of apparel. So don't put on apparel if that's what it means. But that's not what it means. It means that let your emphasis or what is more important or what is your priority, let it shift. Amen, ladies? The amount of time you use to plait your hair can we use that same time to meditate on the word of God? The amount of time you use to put on jewelry or makeup. Is it okay? It's not okay. Is it this? Is it that? Is it that? Can we count on you to use that to intercede? To build up yourself in your most holy faith? Is it possible? Wearing of apparel. When I go to church, will they look at my dress? Will they look at my dress? How will it be? Da, da, da. Ministry is not about how you look. Ministry is about the state of your heart. 
Walking with God is about the state of your heart. That's why Paul is saying, let it be, permit it to be, allow it to be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is a meek and a quiet spirit. These things are not seen on the body, but they are within. And he's talking about your spirit man. And he's saying that the condition of your spirit man is of great price in the sight of God when you have a meek and a quiet spirit. How come all your investments are outward? When we look in your wardrobe, there's nothing spiritual in it. You invest in only things to do with this body. Yes, I said look good, but don't be out of balance. Amen? Amen. When we come to your room, we look in your handbag, we look in your life, there's no message, there's no CD, there's no pen drive, there's no prayer, anything. All that we see is weave on. And when you are going to do the hair, you want the best. So when you say, who did your hair? I like it very much. Say, ah, the woman, she is behind that big kiosk. When you get there, you cross the gutter. Behind the blue kiosk, you ask for anti Then you go in, you will do all that. But when we call you for meeting, you say, eh, where is it? But today, why are they meeting far away like that? Because you have no spiritual ambition. You have no spiritual vision. You have nothing spiritual. All your ambitions are academic and physical. But spiritually, you don't attain to be anything stronger in God. There's no desire to, to know God for yourself. The only God you know is the one in this hall and the one in church. But in your closet, you don't have much to do with him because you're out of balance. That which is incorruptible. You see, your weave on, it goes out of fashion or it gets tangled or when rain falls on it, it gets spoiled. But your rasta crowd can smell and will be sneezing. We will think that it's something, but it's your rasta. But the one that is in the heart is incorruptible. Hidden, but incorruptible. And what is that? A meek and a quiet spirit. A spirit that is quiet, not easily moved by things around it. Meek means tamely subject to injury. It means that when you are suffering for the sake of the gospel, it's inside and it even makes you more beautiful. But you, when you are suffering, you say, hey, me, I can't do. I have to get the money this man is giving me because the suffering is too much. Why am I suffering so much? No, 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 Lady Reverend, I have to. But a meek and a quiet spirit, it suffers injury, it goes through things, but because it has been developed, it just remains quiet and confident in God. Amen. And the Bible says you have to cultivate it. But it is the, a hidden treasure. And it is not corruptible. It doesn't change. Everything else goes out of fashion. Everything else changes. But the things of the spirit, they don't change. And unfortunately, that is the place where we invest the least. You have no desire to be anything in the fellowship. But you, you desire to be MPP Women's Wing Organizer. You, you desire it greatly. 
women's wing organizer. After school, I'll do this, and I'll do international relations. Then I'll cross over into law, and from law, I'll go to law school. Then, I, you know, Lady Reverend, I want to work with the UN, and then I'll do... Yes, it's good to have all these dreams, but your greatest dream should be spiritual and not just academic. Amen. Now, I'm being very fast about it. So how do we build up our spirits? One of the ways you build up your spirit, Jude 21, but you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. How? Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. How come you, the only prayer you do is the mass prayer. The only prayer you do is the organized one in church, but on your own. You don't know God for yourself. I'll tell you, when the issues of life come knocking on your door, it's whether you know how to pray. It's whether you know or have meditated on his promises and know what to stand on for God to come through for you. I tell you, there are times when you speak to your husband, he doesn't understand. Like Elkanah, he doesn't understand your problem, but he loves you. Elkanah gave Hannah always a, wealthy, a, a worthy portion. But then when her problems came, he came to ask her two foolish questions. A four. Why do you weep? Why is your countenance sad? Why do you not eat? Am I not better to you than ten sons? All of them. For a woman, there are obvious answers. Why do I weep? Don't you know I don't have a child? Don't you know what Penina has been doing? Why is my countenance sad? If I weep, of course my countenance will be sad. Why do I not eat? Because I lose appetite when I'm sad. And then am I not better to you than ten sons? Sons and husbands are two different things. But Penina understood Hannah but did not love her. But Elkanah loved Hannah but did not understand her. So when you are a Hannah, how do you explain with diagrams to this Elkanah? For him to understand. What was her breakthrough? She went to Shiloh and this time she sought God alone. Even the chief priest Eli did not understand her. And in life you will get to a place where even your chief priest may not understand you. Eli said, put away your drink. You are a daughter of Belial. Put away your drink and God will sort you out. And Hannah didn't get angry. When she was going out, she said, my Lord, I am not a drunken woman. But out of the abundance of my sorrow have I spoken. And the Bible says, Hannah, she spoke. Her lips moved, but she was not heard. That was deep intercession at another level. When you get into crisis, your Eli may not even understand. Your Elkanah may not understand, but he who sits on the throne, he who never changes, he who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he understands and he can make a difference. Why will you not build up yourself in your most holy faith? When you marry a man in ministry, there are times when you have to be the one to cover him like Abigail. Because he may not even be there to perceive that, oh, David is going to be king, and this is going to... But Abigail came and said, upon me, let the sins of Nabal be upon me. But please, do not destroy our house, and do not do the... But you, there's nothing like that in your life. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't say, oh, who is my father? What's my background? What money do I have? What card do my parents have? Well, he didn't say that. He said, it is written. When it comes to temptations... The reason why we fall so easily these days is we don't even know that it is written. We don't know it. 
We don't know it. Somebody said to me, oh, but uh, I just came from South Africa and I was talking to a pastor and he said, oh, by the way, David was allowed to have so many wives. Abraham was allowed to have so many wives and God did not even say anything about it. And I said, I'm sorry. In Deuteronomy 18, God spoke about it through Moses. And God said, one day, these people are going to ask for a king. He was talking ahead of time. These people are going to ask for a king. And they are going to ask for other things. But when I, you get into the promised land, don't multiply wives. Don't multiply silver and gold. And don't go back to Egypt. But we don't know the words. When they say, say oh, okay, it must be true. Before you know, you believe another doctrine. When your children are sick, your husband is not there, he has gone on crusade. You are, your, your TV is on, live streaming, and you can see him ministering powerfully. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And people are getting up from wheelchairs. And you are holding your baby. The temperature is about 40. You don't know what to do. You are calling your husband, but he's preaching. He doesn't even know that his phone is ringing. And you don't know your God. You don't know what verse to stand on. You don't know how to call upon him and hold the hem of his garment. You never learned it when you were in UNC, UCC. You were following weave on and things. And now, you call your mother. She said, have you given paracetamol? That's all she knows. You've given paracetamol. And the more you give, the higher it goes. One day I had a situation and my husband wasn't there. And I went somewhere out of town to pray. And I knew that I was burdened, but I said, oh, I'll pray a bit in the night, and then I will sleep. And then the next morning, I'll go back to Accra. But as I was praying, I didn't realize so intense was the burden that by the time I looked out of the window, it was 6 a.m. I didn't arrange that, yeah, I'm coming to have a, 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 an all night now. And I just said, oh, I'm going to pray. And when the burden lifts and I feel that God has heard, I'm just going to. And God did hear. So you may be the wife of a most anointed man, but you need a personal faith of your own, a personal God of your own, a personal walk of your own. You need it. Life is more than academics. The ones who get first class are not necessarily the ones who are going to shine in this life. I've seen it from experience. The ones who get lower marks and other courses that are disregarded may be the ones who will give you a lift. The next time you see them. That's how life is. Amen. And then you wait. When I see you and you are now like 30 something. Lady Reverend. All the things you were preaching were true. They were true Lady Reverend. Don't use your life as an experiment. Don't be a guinea pig in life's laboratory. The word of God is true. Believe it. Respond to it. And choose God first. He says in Matthew 6, 32 and 33. After all these things do the Gentiles seek, but you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I tell you, we are living testimony. All other things shall be added unto you. It is true. Amen. Amen. When we decided to come full time into the ministry, everybody felt sorry for us and angry. Our parents and in-laws, angry. Now, what, what type of step is this? It was not an easy step, and we didn't know what God would do. But today, we are a living testimony that God is faithful. You can never, ever, ever outgive God. 
Amen. Amen. So we need balance in our spiritual lives. Paul says, Peter says, 2 Peter 2, 2, or 1 Peter 2, 2, but it's 2, 2. Like newborn babies, desire, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. You see, sometimes it's overlaid. When I read the Bible, I find it so boring. I fall asleep. It's just a stage. I've also been there before. But by God's grace, I've gone past that. Nowadays, I can read my Bible alone in my house, and I can get up amazed at the revelation. And I'll say, oh, my God. Oh, my word. I can't believe you said that. Lord, did you say that? And I can dance alone in my kitchen. When my daughters come, I say, Mommy, what's going on here? Because when I remember certain things and how God has been good, then I start. I didn't know he will favor me this way. I didn't know he will favor me this way. I didn't know he will favor me this way. Favor me this way. Thank you, Jesus. Why didn't I know? Because I never prayed about it. It wasn't intentional. I just didn't know. The things God has done are so wild, they could never have been my prayer topics. So when the Bible says, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Beloved, it's time to love Jesus. And it's time to put him first. Amen. You are always in your room crying, thinking about yourself. How your father didn't look after you. How your mother shouted at you. How your uncle is this. How your chief elder is worrying you. How the people don't like you. Why don't you just try to just serve him? Because when you serve him, it takes your mind off a lot of unnecessary things. Before you know, healing has come. Wholeness has come. It's amazing that as you give your life to others, rather... It comes back to you. That's how God works. Amen. And spend time with him in your closet. Meditate on the word. Pray. Spend time with God and his word. Open the scriptures. Meditate on his word. Why? Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate upon it. When? Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Why? That thou mayest make thy way prosperous. Amen. So you are going to make your way prosperous by meditating on his word. And when you spend time ministering to others, your life rather becomes enriched. I am so glad that God called me into the ministry. And I am so glad that God makes me into a vessel that he can use that People would like me to minister to them. I feel so humbled by it. Because rather, it's therapy for me. Amen. Amen. But some people are sitting in their room thinking about all their problems. And it's getting deeper and deeper. And they are sinking deeper and deeper. May that not be your story. Amen. Now, Lady Reverend, you've talked about the body, the spirit. What about the soul? That's a big area. The intellect, the will. Your desires and your emotions. And women, we are big on emotions. So why do you like him, Lady Reverend? I don't know. When I see him, I just get goosebumps. <laughs> if you are getting goosebumps, please find some jacket to wear. Because it's not an indication of love. 
Amen. Amen. It is good that we are emotional, but your emotions should not rule you. Amen, ladies. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. So your body is also a sacrifice. That's why you put it under. And it's a living one. As soon as you bring it to the altar, it runs away because there's life in it. It's living. But this is let an angel present. say, you present it. And then in the verse 2, it says, and be not conformed to this world. But, which means on the contrary, be ye transformed, which means changed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Renew that mind. Renew it. The mind is part of the soul, the intellect, the mind. It needs to be renewed by the renewing of the mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why do we have to renew our mind? My husband had a pastor in London. He got born again and he read, love never fails. So he decided to love all the girls in the church by sleeping with them. This is a true story because he was a pornographic uh, photographer before he got, got born again. So when they said, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So, oh, love. Let love continue. So, okay, then I'll love this one, love this one, love this one, love this one. Then one day, he was just getting ready to go to church and a big being like an angel stood by him and said, this is not love. Read 1 Corinthians 13. And when he read it, he decided to renew his mind. So a lot of you have also come into relationships, into marriage, into life with certain ideas. Some of them only exist on movies and it's not going to happen. So your idea of how you should even meet your future partner will lead to you not being married at 52. Because your mind is not renewed. You have watched too many movies. And like I say, in the movie, the man goes to see the woman off at the train station. Which train station is in Ghana to start with? And which train station is not chaotic to start with? That when he sees the girl off at the train station, it is also raining. And as he starts on the platform, the girl is sitting inside. And the, the window pane has become a bit cloudy. And then she just draws a heart. And then the guy is also like, oh, do you have to go? And then the guy shouts, I mean, mouths, I love you. <laughs> then the girl begins to cry. It's like, it's so difficult to part. Then the whistle blows. Then the train begins to move. Then the guy starts to run by the platform. <laughs> then... They do slow motion. So you are coming. <laughs> so why you see the brother at Kevas? He's walking like this. Sister, sister, I think we are getting closer. Oh, but where is the train? And doesn't he know that he has to come on the clouds like that? But it's just the effect of a film. So you need to renew your mind. 
about how to find a beloved. Amen. When my husband was my friend, I used to say, we are so close as friends that we cannot become beloved. Now when I look back, I wonder why you would say that, but we used to believe that. It's like when you are too close, you can't be friends, but you have to be, you know, this one can pose and this one, then that is when you can be beloved. So we need to renew our minds. A lot of us, we come later, people come in the church, in the line. So all those who would like God to give them partners, you come, but God actually gave you 15 of them. And you never saw. You see, I have a sister, when she gets a beloved, I say, oh, this beloved is good. Say, Reverend, he picks his nose. <laughs> you need to renew your mind because brothers can be cultivated. They can be groomed. What you see today was not what was there yesterday. Amen. I said, Hey, Reverend, I want to marry just like yours. And I want a handsome dude like Bishop Dye. Okay. It's a good prayer topic. But it didn't just come about. Amen. So you have to learn that. Because when you get married, then you are disappointed. Say, Reverend, he never sends me flowers. The man grew up in the forest. He has not seen flowers before. What are you talking about? I once met a very, excuse me to say, tree-steeped tree brother out of Ghana. And he said to me, he's going to marry a white woman. I said, you, hey, the way when I come to your house, your house smells of precursor and akranti and things. Don't go and take any white woman. And where, oh, lady reverend, I've even met one already at the workplace. I will show you. So anyway, he used to talk to me about the girl. And this man, he's so steeped in tree. He is in Europe. But when you call his house, he can't say hello. When he picks up, he says, such a person. <laughs> such a person wants to marry an European girl. So anyway, he told me, the girl is coming to visit me today. At that time, I was around. I said, great. When the lady left, he called and said, lady reverend. I've seen that I can't. I said, why? I said, hey. She says she's shopping. When she comes, she will cook. When she cooked, hey, lady reverend, salad, oh. <laughs> salad. I said, oh, but salad is a meal. I said, hey, I should chew leaves for the evening. <laughs> lady reverend, it's not going to work. And then I was laughing. He said, it's not finished, though. When we finish, he said that the food, no, it has sat on us, so we should go for a walk in the woods. <laughs> I come from the forest. It's not now I'm going to walk through the forest. He couldn't see. I could see that the way you are, this type of beloved, it won't work. And it didn't work. But thank God, it didn't work before he married the person. Do you understand? So sometimes we need to renew our minds. Rebecca met a man she didn't know at the well. The man prays that any woman who comes, when I ask for water, she will give me and then give my animals also. That is the woman for my master's son, Isaac. And Rebecca came and did exactly that. So she was taken. 
And then they took her to the house and asked her, will you go? So it wasn't by force. Her will was also important. But Rebecca was a woman of faith. She said, I'll go. And when she was approaching the place, she saw Isaac. Isaac came out of the tent. The Bible says, Rebecca covered her face with a veil. Because a woman should also have a little class. Not that you throw yourself on the men like that. It also makes your value go down. Amen. So Rebecca covered herself with a veil and stepped off the donkey and walked in style. Because men like intrigue. It's like, I don't really know it. But when you give everything at this stage, what else is there to hide? What else is there? He has seen everything. He has seen everything. But Rebecca covered her face. And then when she got to Isaac, she lifted the veil. Isaac took her into the tent before he discovered what he should discover. Amen. So there are many ways of choosing a mate. It's not only one way. I said, no. It has to be love at first sight. It's also going to be love at first flight. Also. Yes, you need love. You need to like the person. You need to be able to be together. But it doesn't always come in one way. Amen. You need to renew your mind. And then you also think that when you marry, you have married a saint who will never hurt you. Wrong. You need to renew your mind. When people are closer, that's when they can hurt you the most. Not when people are further away. Amen. It's the person next to you who will step on your toes, not the person at the back of the hall. Now, you need to renew your mind about forgiveness. Some of you, your hearts are like fish hooks. Nothing comes out. You don't forgive. You say, Lady Reverend, I can forgive, but I can't forget. Hey, even unbelievers have sung a song. Darling, forgive and forget. Okay? And God says... I've thrown what you've done into the sea of forgetfulness. So you must also believe God to come to that place. So we need to renew our minds. Not really about marriage, but about everything God has said, like forgiveness. Why do you forgive somebody who has hurt you? Because God says that when you do that, you heap coals of fire on the person's head. So it should happen. Amen. Amen. And then when it comes to your will, your desires, David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 103. And all that is within me, bless his soul. You must control your soul by yourself, not by somebody. So he said to his soul, bless the Lord. He said to my soul, why are you disquieted, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. He could speak to his soul and let it do what he wants to do. So you to your emotions. You see that foolish boy in, uh, which mill hall is here? Atlantic. Casford. That foolish boy in Casford, who left you, you see? You cried. You were heartbroken. Yes, but... You know, it's a season. It's past. Arise. Shake the dust off. Oh, daughter of Zion. For God has better things for you. Amen. But you can't control your emotions. But as a Christian, your spirit man must be able to speak to your soul and say, why are you disquieting? Why are you behaving as if you don't have hope? Why are you behaving as if you don't have a God? Don't you remember Jeremiah 29, 11? That I know the plans that I have for you that there are plans of prosperity and not of disaster to give you a future and a hope. And then that will make your emotions line up with the word of God. We need to be balanced in our emotions also. I'm running. So lastly, lastly, as women, we think that relationships or marriage should meet all your needs. There's nothing like that. 
God has not designed any one woman or man to meet all your needs. If that happens, then that person has become God to you. And God will not allow that to be. Amen. So, you must, yes, you love your husband, you love your beloved, but God must come first. And you must have things in your life that you also do. Does it make sense? For instance, if Bishop Dar goes on healing Jesus crusade, I have a child at home. I have to look after that child. So I have to stay at home. Bishop Dag has gone on healing Jesus crusade. He's going to be gone for, let's say, four weeks. So those four weeks, I should do nothing. I should be thinking, so where is he? So what's he doing now? Let me call him and check up on him. Hey, and where are you? Oh, mommy, I'm very busy. He's very busy. You see, I'm not important. Other people come first. And then, but if you also find your niche in Christ, and you are also serving God, and you are also doing things that bring him glory and you fulfillment, you will not even have the time to check on him. You will not have the time to have suspicious thoughts. You will not have the time to be afraid. You will not have the time to think of all the what-ifs in this world. Rather, when he says he's come, you say, yay. I have to put my act together. And now I have to go shopping. And I have to, because when my husband travels, my daughter and I, we eat from the freezer, whatever is there. But when he's coming, then we have to line up and produce proper food. You understand? <laughs> so you need to be fulfilled as a single woman before you marry. You need to find your fulfillment in Christ. You need to find your identity in Christ. My identity is not Mrs. Seward Mills. Yes, it's a blessing, but my identity, there's a higher identity, and that is that I am a child of God. I'm purchased with his blood. He would give anything for my salvation. That makes me complete. I'm complete in him before you even get into a relationship. So when you get into a relationship, you are fulfilled, and therefore you bring fulfillment also to the relationship. Amen, ladies? There are many times when, whether you are a spouse, a husband, or a wife, you cannot fulfill everything. Your husband may call you, like yesterday I was in the office, and my husband called me, oh, I'm coming home early today. I said, okay, I'll be there soon, but I was in a meeting, and I needed to conclude the meeting because today I was going to come to Cape Coast. So I did this, and then I called, oh, I've sorted you out, but I'm still coming. In the end, when I got home, I had sorted him out. Some of you just leave water in the house. Say, I'm coming. That's not the way. You have to do what you have to do. But when I got home, he had already eaten. Everything had been done. If he had put all his hope in me, it would not have been good. Am I a bad person not to have gone at the right time? I intended to. Did I have any bad inclinations or intentions? No. But I'm human. And therefore, I failed him, if you like. In the same way, your husband may say, I'll be here at 11 to pick you up for our anniversary dinner. And then he comes and says, oh, just when I was walking out of the office, this couple came that they wanted to divorce. So I needed to spend time. Mm. Every day is church members. Every day is this. I thought you said you wanted to marry somebody like Bishop Dye. I thought you said so. 
But when they open a few things, you say, hey, some of you are clapsing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I just want to buttress this point with Esther chapter 4, verse 11, and then I will invite your questions. Esther chapter 4. Esther, I've told you this before, Job. Don't go to the New Testament. We are reading from verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know, this is Esther talking to Mordecai, that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. This is Esther speaking, and then she says, but I have not been called to coming unto the king, these 30 days. Esther was chosen among so many beautiful women. The Bible says she obtained favor in the king's eyes. The Bible says her wedding was a public holiday. The Bible says everybody in the kingdom was fitted. You know, everybody was part of the celebration. But after she got married and she went into the palace, she was staying with the king in the same palace, but for 30 days she has not seen him. She said, these 30 days, the king has not called me. In the same palace. I thought you wanted to be a princess. <laughs> By all means, there's no man who will meet all your needs. What do you do those 30 days when the king is in the palace, but you haven't seen him? When the king is in the palace and he has not called you, what do you do as a woman those 30 days? You cannot put your whole life based on a human being somewhere. That this human being is going to be my everything. Therefore, in 30 days, if he doesn't call me, I shrivel and I die. But if you have a life of your own, you have a call of God on your life, it doesn't necessarily have to be an independent ministry. But God has a talent for everybody. And if you will rise up and use that, and you will rise up and know your identity. And also some of you, when you get beloved, then you don't have friends anymore. You need your girlfriends so much. You do. I am not saying you should tell every girlfriend everything because some of them, before you know, they have beloved, those your beloved. That also exists. But don't cut off all your friends because of this one boy you have met. You need your friends. As you grow up in life, all these lady pastors, they are my friends. They are people I've sat down and talked with and eaten with and gone out with. It's not just some surface friendship. And they are friendships I cherish. And we WhatsApp each other and we say, oh, this has happened. Okay, then we are going to do this. Gossip a bit about our husbands and then we move on. Do you see? But you need girlfriends in your life. So yes, James has come into your life. Don't cut off the rest. They are also important. So your body, your spirit, your soul should have balance. Don't let your emotions rule you. Let Jesus rule you. Amen. Before I continue, every eye closed and every head bowed. You are here this evening. You heard about the spirit man that needs to be born again, that needs to have a relationship with God, that needs to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We are not here this evening about who is who and who is what, or who is looking at you. We are here about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are in this auditorium tonight, I would not like to walk out without giving you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, 
to invite him into your life and to mean business. Some of you have said this prayer before, but it's been a joke. And tonight you want to say, Lady Reverend, please pray for me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to start all over again. You are like that here this evening. Forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. Just lift up your hands wherever you are standing, and I'll pray with you. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to mean business with God. God bless you, I see your hand. God bless you, I see your hand. Let it go high up above your shoulder. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Let it go high up. Be proud that you are making a choice for Jesus. Be proud that you are taking another step into the things of God. And if you've lifted up your hands, do one more thing. Stand on your feet. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll also be ashamed of you. Be a man, be a woman. Stand on your feet and still lifting up your hands as a sign of surrender to him. I just want to pray for you wherever you are standing. Just say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, tonight I invite you to come into my life and be the Lord and the master of my life. Lord, I have been my own master and I've done things my way. But tonight, I ask you for another chance. Come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross to save me. And thank you for rising from the dead so that I may be saved. Today marks a new beginning in my walk with you. Help me in Jesus' name. Amen. Still standing. Father, I lift up these ones before your throne of grace. Shelly, please take it. I lift up these ones before your throne of grace. Touch them as you come into their lives. Give them a new beginning. And may they never go back. I come against every deception of the enemy. And I release them to be children of God and to walk in all the covenant blessings and responsibilities. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Please keep standing. I have some presents of books for you. Then after that, you can sit. Okay. Do it better for Jesus. You can do it better for Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? Somebody say, wow. How many of you are blessed tonight? Show some love to Jesus. Hallelujah. There are questions that most of you wrote. Um, we would want you to pass the questions quickly. Uh, let the ushers get the questions, and um, in the next minute, we'll be done with it. So all the questions that you wrote, if you have... Okay. Mommy says that if you have your questions, raise up your hand. And there is a list going around um, on 25th. That's next week, Friday. Archbishop Duncan Williams is organizing the Intertertiary Mega All Night um, at the um, Spinkters Road. I nearly said Kodesh. At the Spinkters Road. And you know, Bishop Doug and Papa are, are sons and fathers. And so we want to make it there at the Spinkters Road, Accra, 25th. The time is, nine, um, is from 7 p.m. to daybreak. But we are departing from UCC at 3 p.m. in front of the, um, the library for court. So make sure there is a yellow list going around. If you want to go for the um, Archbishops all night and your name has not been written on the forms, you can put down your name. But at the moment, you are taking the list of questions. So if you have your questions, make sure that you pick it up quickly. 
Okay, there are sheets of papers going around. So if you need a sheet of paper to write your questions, do that. But, but the ones that you have, make sure you bring them. So can I get the list of the questions that I've been giving you quickly? Any questions around? Let the ushers get them. Can we get those? Maybe that? all your questions have been answered. Any of the questions? Or if you want to speak in the mic, you're welcome. If you want to write, you're welcome. Either way. Ah, they're also yellow. Okay. <laughs> BM. If your question has been answered, fine. All right, so at this juncture, Mami will start answering the questions before. Shall we, we pray? Father, I ask for the spirit of knowledge and of wisdom and of understanding. Show us your ways and answer all our riddles and our hard questions. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Can God connect two people to get married through prophecy? Well, many years ago, before I got married, there was this nice, very creepy brother. And he said that God had shown him a vision that I was his future wife. And um, I didn't think so at all. I mean... He had been coming to my room in Legon, fellowshipping with me, but I knew him already from infantry, so I thought he was my friend. And then once I said to him that, you're always coming to visit me, bringing me eggs and things. I hope it doesn't mean any, oh, no, 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 it doesn't mean any. Okay, so then the universities were closed and we went home. And when we went home, he wrote a letter of proposal to me. Thank God that by that time I was born again. Because when I was in Wesley Girls, although I was born again, my mind was not renewed on certain things when I was in about form two. So a boy from a fan swim wrote to me. And typically in girls school, the whole class will read the letter. And then everybody will bring part of the response, you know. So then we would respond. A guy wrote to the word response, said, dear. Then somebody said, no, 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 cancel it. What dear? He would think that, whatever, don't write dear. So somebody said, Hey, so no, hey, it's a bit crass. Cancel, you cancel. Then somebody came and said, right, look here. <laughs> look here, this person. I am not, then somebody came and said, no, but we don't even have to write on paper, you know. We have to write on T-roll. At that point, I said, no, I can't do that. But with this brother, by that time, I'd renewed my mind. So we we're not writing letters that way again. So then I responded that, Oh, thank you for the privilege even of thinking about that, but I don't have any such sentiments, and I don't think that he said God had given him a vision. So then I prayed about it, and I said, God, he says you've given him a vision, but I'm not seeing that vision. 
And the Holy Spirit said to me, when I sent the angel to Mary to speak about their relationship, I also sent Joseph. I went to Joseph in a dream and convinced him about the relationship. So I don't speak to one person and leave the other. Amen? So if somebody has received a prophetic word, you must also receive a prophetic word or a confirmation. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, it shall be established. Amen. Sometimes I also think that the Kufi brothers are shy, so they come through prophecy and visions and to soften the ground a bit. But I don't think you should be like me in form two. When a boy proposes to you, then you are angry. Why are you angry? You are a girl. And you are attractive to the brother. And he's proposing to you, so don't be angry. And pray about it. And seek counsel, because the Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. When you seek counsel, you may see that this is right or this is not right. And then you can flow from there. Amen. The way some people are smiling, I think they wrote the... the... It's a revelation, eh? Is marriage based on love or the individual as a person? Hmm. I would say that love is a decision. You decide that I love this person and I love this and this and this about the person. So love is a decision. Love is not just emotions. And if you follow just emotions, you are likely to shipwreck. Because even when you were from, in Form 2, the boy you were in love with, when you got to Wasi, you changed your mind because it was just what they say, a crash or emotions or so you can't follow that. But you also need some common sense. Amen? The Bible says, can any two walk except they be agreed? You may be in the same church, but you may not be agreed. You may not be agreed about ministry. You may not be agreed about the things of God. I met a guy before I got married. I didn't enter a relationship with him. He was a Christian. He was Baptist. But he kept asking me, do you, do you pray in that strange tongue? I said, which strange tongue? Oh, tongues, yes. Oh, eh. You don't look it at all. I said, oh, but it's Holy Ghost baptism. It was promised. Then I went to show him the Bible. He said, oh, I'm not the tongues type. So from that, I knew that I cannot go out with such a person. Because when we grow up, and in the morning I'm having my quiet time, and I'm speaking in tongues, it can be a problem. But he was a born-again Christian. Filled with the Holy Spirit. But it just didn't work. I counseled a couple. The wife told me, I can't stand tongues in my house. She told me. And I said to the guy, but why did you marry her? He said, because I thought I was in love with her. In the end, the lady walked out. Because she said she couldn't take it. She was Catholic. And the guy was charismatic. She claimed she was born again. But from the things she was saying... But the guy made many concessions, like he would go for couples Christie with her. And then when he says, let's go for my convention, she doesn't want to come. And then she told me that she cannot stand the speaking of tongues. Unless you are a demon. If you don't uh, understand, it's different. But if you can't stand it. So the marriage broke based on just religious differences. So you may even be in church, but you don't have the same desires and the same ambition. Some of you brothers... You go and take a sister who doesn't know anything about your church or your doctrine. You see, in Lighthouse, we have what we call shepherds. Then, 
A relative of mine got born again and told her mother that she's not a potential shepherd. So she woke up one afternoon and told her mother, I'm going to look for my sheep. After that, her mother is my relative. After that, some church people came to visit her. And the mother said, mm, my daughter, these days I don't know. She says she's a shepherd. She's going to look for a cat, so a goat, so a baby. You know? This person is despising what is in your church. Why would you like to go along with such a person? Even when you are sure, people change. I'm saying that because of what I've seen. A friend of mine, somebody proposed to her, and then she said, oh, she didn't want to, whatever. And then later we said, oh, the guy is good. He's the president of this fellowship. He loves God. But as they married, we saw another side. And he went completely away from God. So now I would say even more so, even that they were agreed and in the same church. But it also didn't work. So can any two work except they be agreed? Some people don't agree in terms of prayer. They are not intense in the things of God. Their ambition is something else. They want to be president or Ban Ki-moon or, you know, and then you want to be in the ministry or to serve God. But sometimes your Ban Ki-moon rather will help, will allow you. And the pastor rather may stamp on your ministry. So you really need to be led by God. But division is division. When there are two visions, it doesn't work. So you may be Christians, you may be two good people, but division is not going to work. Amen. After this, I'll call LPBM to talk to you about the messages and then when is the right time to propose to a lady? When is the right time? The right time is when is the right time? So yes, I hope I've answered your question. Marriage is based on love, but more so on common sense. So put on your common sense and don't tell me, oh, Lady Reverend, this person is like this. So this, your sense is also part of it. God gave you your brains for a purpose. Amen. When is the right time to propose to a lady? When you are sure that you are friends enough and close enough and you have studied her enough and you have prayed because you people, you don't pray. You just see the woman and then you are going. If you hear my husband, he will tell you that he waited on God for one year to be sure that this was God's will for him. And when he preaches, he, he, he says it as if he prayed for one year and I was just sitting waiting for this guy to finish praying, but it's okay. If you look at the men of God of today, last week, I believe, or the week before, I was speaking at Reverend Eastwood's program, and it was his 27th wedding anniversary, and he was saying that when he got to know his wife, they were friends for a long time, and then when he decided to propose to her, he went to the gardens to fast. He didn't swallow saliva. He didn't drink water. He did it for three days to find out God's will in terms of his future partner. But you people, even 30 minutes prayer cry. God is lucky. And then he wrote 16 sheets, four foolscap sheets of whatever to propose to the wife. But the wife did not reply for two months. <laughs> because I believe she was also praying. And when she felt that she was at peace with it, she also said yes. Now when you do that, even when you have challenges, you said you heard from God. How can it change? Do you see? So it helps to anchor you in the marriage. And you know, God can reveal a lot of things to you when you wait on him. He just reveals things that, oh, this person this, this person that, this person this. You wouldn't even know. One of our pastors was looking for a wife, and he pointed somebody out to me. 
The next week he came and said, Sister Mommy, I've changed my mind. I said, why? He said, I went for a corporate dinner in somebody's house. When I went, I saw the sister there, hey, with some hair shorts. She was serving and she was like, she lives there. So I've changed my mind. As he started praying, he was just invited to a corporate dinner. He didn't know the lady even knew who was there, but it just happened that way. So you know your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. It's important. But apart from that, you should also have friendship, interest. You should like to be with the person. Not that when the person speaks, you, by the time the person is getting up, you are asleep. And you don't know what the person is talking about. And then also, if the person is very steeped in his tribe, you must be careful. Because we are Christians, but sometimes the Christianity, the tribalism is more potent than the Christianity. So we have to be careful. That even though we are Christians, tribes do matter. So if I marry you, I'm a fancy. I don't know how to do fertility for it to be like this. I may be prepared to learn, but by the time I'm learning, I may not be so good. If you compare me to your mother, the people from your village, whatever, it's not going to work. If we don't speak the same language and you come, every time you are speaking tree, you are very cultural. You believe in matrilineal inheritance so much that even your wife, your children, inheritance, it doesn't matter. But you are a Christian. But you believe that your sister's daughter is more your daughter than your own daughter because that's how you were brought up. And you have not renewed your mind much. If I come to marry a person like you, we are going to have problems because I may have a world view of things. So you are a Christian, but your tribe is stronger than what controls you. So all that is important. And then also people can be friend, should be friends. Can any two work except they be agreed? After I love you, I love you, I love you, when you are sitting in your house, what will you talk about? You know, and sometimes you even need to be at keel intellectually. Because sometimes if you go and marry someone, it depends. Some people are open, um, exciting, interesting. They are not like a certain way. But some people, when you talk about Iraq, when you say, oh, there's a migrant pro pro problem, and such things like that, you are going to have a problem. Or sometimes it may be educational. It's not always the case, but sometimes. If you're a lawyer like me, and you say, so, I say, hey, I knew. Because you're a lawyer, you don't respect me. And you think that, this is meanwhile, that's not it. It doesn't even occur to you that you are a lawyer. As you are in the house, you just know you are a wife. But the person reads into everything. Or some people have a very great complex, so maybe they can't even deal with your family. They say, hey, your brothers, when they come, they intentionally they speak the slang so that I don't understand. Ah. My brothers don't have that mind. But all that are areas. You see, it's not big things that destroy marriages. It's little foxes that destroy the vines. So you need to also Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Not just the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.24, I believe. Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So yes, we need the power of God. You must pray and all that. But we also need the wisdom that God gives for us to follow. And also, marriage is faith. You can't marry knowing everything. You can't marry knowing everything, that this will happen after five years, this will happen. You will have a lot of shocks. So put on your seatbelts. But you will survive because the grace of God will be on your side. Amen. That's why it's important to build your house on a rock and not on a human being like me. Mommy, how do you know you have met the right person after you prayed about it? Have I, have I answered? Yes. And God is also interested in your desires. 
He says in 1 Corinthians 7, only let her marry whom she will, whom she will. So your will. And they ask Rebecca, are you willing, willing to go? So even if I say, oh, when I look at this brother and I look at you, I think you will be good partners. You know, I may say that. Then you start to be friends. Love grows. And eventually, you will see that the love can grow. But I say, oh, no, 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 I don't like him. Because you feel that as soon as you see the person, you must like the person immediately. Your wisdom is a bit diminished. So be open. Meet people. Relate to people. In the midst of it, you will meet someone. And the brothers, this is the most fertile ground to meet a beloved. This is the most fertile ground. When you are working and things, the people are fewer. More unbelievers, fewer Christians. But this one, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is really plentiful. So open your eyes and see. And stop being so fussy. They are not this. They are not that. When you go and bring two, we can't see. I've been hurt badly by a guy. And it's like I've lost interest in men and just don't know what to do. I've always had the urge for sex, even if I don't love the person. What should I do? I think you need to be delivered. You need to be delivered because the Bible says, live joyfully with the wife of your youth. It's supposed to be something joyful. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. It's supposed to be joyful. So if you don't like the person, you just want to sleep with the person, then you just use people for a desire that is uncontrolled and unbridled. And demons compel, demons drive, and demons overcome you and make you want to do certain things. So I think that you need to be delivered. And I will recommend to you Bishop Dark's little book on demons and how to deal with them. It will be important. I must say I am not sure whether you are also born again. And maybe you are also becoming like that as a revenge against men. Because you say you went through a bad relationship. You've been very hurt. You don't feel like having any man. So it's like, okay, I'll just sleep with you, but I'll never give myself to you. And so you may have built a barrier. All that is not normal. And it's not going to help you now or in the future. So you need help. You need counseling. You need pastoral care. And you need to be delivered, first of all. And you need to give your life to Christ. And if you have done that already, then you need to rededicate your life to Christ, to start from there and then go on. Amen. How do you keep a balanced life as a lady in a relationship? How do you get your beloved involved? Involved in what? Is it church work? With the balancing or is he also out of balance? I think that the best way is to also have a personal timetable for your life. Have a personal timetable that I'll wake up at five. I'll have my quiet time for this long. After I've prayed, I will learn a bit or I'll have a bath. And then I'll prepare for lectures. I'll visit my beloved at this time. I'll go for fellowship at this time. You know, sometimes when you visit or you see each other, it's touch and go. You just see each other at fellowship, hide, then you go. And sometimes it's quality time spent with each other, but all that can be planned. Amen. My husband used to come from Kolebu to come and visit me. And I would also 
expecting. Those times, no mobile phones and no landlines. So you send a note through the medical school. When they are coming back, the post bag will also come back to you. That's how it was. But although we didn't see each other every day, we wrote notes to each other. And I think that also helped. And I also visited him. Not that you are staying in Lagos. You, every day, the person should come. And you never go. You know? Love will even want you to go. So, but you have to be balanced. Not that you have exams. Say, I've missed him very much. The notes are not even going. I can't learn. Look, there's a world out there waiting with bills and things to be paid. You need to be realistic. Amen. So I think that personal timetable will help you, even if it's in your head. But it's better when you write. Lady Reverend, please, how will you know you are ready to enter into a relationship? I think I've answered. Is it a must to enter a relationship before you leave school? It's not a must, but it's advisable. Where are you going into town? She is spiritual. She's a virtuous lady. Due to that fact, she feels reluctant to respond positively to my proposal. Ah. Incongruous. She keeps saying I should make things happen naturally, of which I don't understand. The brothers. Please explain to me what she means by saying, let things work naturally. You see, you have made the thing too mechanical. And women don't like mechanical things. You know? I want you to be my beloved. What do you think? I mean, be romantic small. The Bible says, draw me after you and let us run together. Draw me. So teach, I mean, learn how to draw a lady. But you, every time you come purposeful, you know? I want you to be my beloved based on these five points, you know? So, learn to just relax, learn to chat, learn to send nice little notes. She's not your beloved yet, but cultivate the friendship. Learn to call and say, how are you today? Learn to use parables, you know? I've been thinking about somebody today. And learn to remember her birthday. And learn to write nice words for a change. Not every day. Romans chapter 8 verse this. Hey! We like scriptures, but we also like you to be natural. You know, and then as you are natural, say, oh, you're going here. Okay, let me go and see you off. Charlie, do you feel like eating some keloele? Let's have some keloele. I mean, loosen up, you know, relax. And the sisters to allow. Hey, 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 we are running. Lady Reverend, what if you are pleased with the content? but not with a container. I believe. I be order. I believe that containers can be worked on, but contents are very difficult to work on. What is it about the container you don't like? Ask yourself. 
Most brothers, they don't even know what they don't like. They just think it's not nice, but they don't know why. You see, maybe the container does not do her hair properly. Or maybe the container does not know how to carry herself as a lady. It depends. Some women are very teachable. And some men, as for men, their work is a lot. You have to work on them a lot. You know? But you can work on the container. Even the other way around, a woman can work on the container. And men also like to look good. So when you say, oh, this is your shirt. The color, it's not that. Sometimes if you don't have, it's different. But if you can help it, you see, they don't see. Even in marriage, you will see that. If you allow them, they'll wear one trousers. Huh? You have to do something about it. So you can work. <laughs> you can work on the container. You know? So look for tips to work on the container. Amen. Once the contents are good, you are blessed. And it will reflect outside. But containers change. You may even marry Miss Ghana. And then in three years' time, she's Miss Rwanda. Or Miss DRC. It's not that Rwandas are not nice, but like war and things that, you know. Lady Reverend, please, is it possible for a guy to love you and still miss his ex? No. I don't think so. It's not marriage. If you miss your, your ex, the road is your friend. Just go. It's not a problem. You see, the painful thing is when you don't say all the conditions, and then the woman gets married to you. But if you say it now, that you miss, miss your ex, ladies, God will bring other men who are not missing exes. So let him go. That's my take on it. Amen. So after tonight's meeting, release him, okay? What if you are in a relationship, and you've been engaged in premarital sex already, but you love this person? Do you go ahead quitting? Do you go ahead quitting? Or staying with the person. I think that, you see, as a pastor, when I counsel people, people who easily feel that their beloved are unfaithful have often slept with them before. That's what I've found from my experience. Because you did it like that before you married. So without knowing, you know that he's not a covenant keeper and he also knows that you are not. So it even brings problems in the marriage. I was once counseling a couple... And the lady was saying, eh, he did this and he did this with this person. And it was a young marriage. I said, ah, why did he sleep with you before? And then the place became quiet. And I knew the answer. You know, and I've seen it time and time again. So when that happened, you don't even know that it has affected you. But the thing is that because you indulge in that with the person, you know how easy it is for him or her to be like that. So that seed eats into your relationship. And God is not trying to take something exciting from you. God is just saying, let the timing be right. That's all he's saying. Because when you get married, there are times when your wife may be pregnant. And the doctor will say, don't touch her. Not because of the pregnancy, but because of some complications. Don't touch her for three months. And you are in Kevas. You never learned self-control. What are you going to do? And the lady to never learn self-control. Today she works with the UN. Tomorrow she's in France. Today she, when you call, you say, I heard some heavy breathing on the phone. What are you going to do? So I realize that God teaches us all these things for our sakes. You are in the ministry. You travel somewhere. Your wife is not there. How are you going to learn self-control? 
Because you have always had what you want sexually. How are you going to learn? So all these things are for our sakes so that our lives will be better. So I think that whatever is leading you this way, you need to deal with it before God. And whatever makes the atmosphere conducive, you need to leave. The Bible says flee youthful lust, but most of you, you negotiate youthful lust. <laughs> and you even invite youthful lust. But Joseph ran and even left his coat. Sometimes that's what is going to take you. Amen. So please, for your own sake and the sake of hearing God, do what is right. Is it always the case that God himself chooses a, pas- a partner for people? How can one know whether this partner is the right one? Hey, this one's a whole sermon. Look, I've preached all the marriage series. I believe they brought all, or most of it. Did you? How to be found, how to be marriageable, how to, before you say I do, seven realities of marriage, they are all out there. So the question you asked me, is it always the case that God chooses? God, I think I've answered that our will, our will, and our desire is also important. God may direct you, but he also respects your will. Please, I want to ask if you have a brother who is not ministry-minded, but wants to help you, you the lady with his wealth, what would you do? Ah. Are you saying he's a born-again Christian, he's very wealthy, but he's not ministry-minded? But you feel that you should go along with him because he will use his wealth to help you in ministry. I don't know if that's what you are saying. But don't love his wealth first. Love him first because seasons change with wealth. His business can go down. Sometimes it goes down, but not forever. But things can change. So when we got married, my salary was more than my husband's. When we had our first child, I had to go away to go and work. When I went to work, somehow, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, I gave all my pay to my husband when he came to be with me. I gave it to him. That you are the head of the household. Spend it the way you want. Now, I didn't know it had touched him. But when I came to Ghana and he was preaching in church, he said, my wife, she gave me all her salary. So after church, the women in the church were very angry with me. That, What type of uh, standard have I come now to? introduced into the church. And um, later, a lady was telling me, said, and I said, I don't think every glove fits every hand. Because your husband does not tell you anything. He, he leads a secretly life. You can't also go and give him everything. Some husbands also don't know how to look after money. So you can't go and give him everything. So you have to weigh the balance. But I'm saying that at that time, I was earning more and looking after my husband. But the season changed where he now was looking after me. So things are not always the way you see them. So don't marry because of a person's wealth. Marry because of who the person is, the contents. And then if he's wealthy, fine. But know that riches have wings. That's what the Bible says. So seasons come in. So if you marry because of wealth and his business goes down like there's doom so, and the factory is not working like it should, you will be unfaithful at work because you are so used to wealth. So marry the person for himself. And then if he's wealthy, let it just be a coincidence. Amen. And if he's not ministry-minded and you really want to seek God's kingdom, and you know that he will be a hindrance, then you may have to look at it again. If he will be a hindrance. Not all of them will be hindrances. God bless you, mommy. 
for the ministration. I pray for more grace, strength, and anointing. Amen. Please, what should a lady do to be disciplined as to combine academics, ministry, and a relationship? Please, mommy, is it appropriate for a university lady to be in a relationship with a guy two years older than the lady who is yet to be admitted into the university? I don't see it as a big deal, but you must know that later on it may cause problems. I think two years is okay, but more than that sometimes it's a problem, you know, because men are moved by sight, and it is said that women grow older quickly more than men. So if like the gap is nine years or something, he's likely to dump you, no matter how anointed. So you have to be careful about that. And then you are saying about discipline. I've talked about having a personal timetable. You know, Bishop was among the first five to be chosen for the whole medical school of Ghana. And then when he went into medical school in third year, he got a Valco Prize for the best in pathology. And then when he finished, they chose five of the top in the class to do surgery in Ghana, and he was chosen. But he was somebody who had started a ministry, was pastoring, doing a church, but he wasn't a fool. In the night, he would learn. He would learn. He would not leave it for unbelievers to say that uh, we are not balanced. We are just Christians, but we don't know. He led a balanced life. And by God's grace, he did very well. So you too can be disciplined on both sides. I think the balance with academics is with the soul, the intellect. Jesus grew in grace and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. So it's important for you to be balanced. So have a timetable and be disciplined with a timetable. I think that it will help you. Amen. I've always had a timetable. Please, Lady Reverend, is it good for a woman to be older than a beloved? I think I've answered that. There's no hard and fast rule in the Bible, but Please, Reverend, I'm in level 100 now. I always do my quiet time, pray, and involve myself in church activities. But whenever I start learning, I feel sleepy. And sometimes I forget what I've learned. I've been praying over it, but it's still the, the same. This happens in only one of my courses. You probably don't like it. So please, steal yourself and just pass and then drop it next year. I'll tell you, I did basic stats, compulsory. I did sociology in the second year, and then majored in law. But I did sociology. And then my year, they came to say that basic stats were compulsory. Oh, I could have died. I don't like figures at all. So then I did this basic stats painfully. Bishop Adi was my teacher because he was... Uh, uh, specializing in maths and economics. So every day you come and teach me, you come and teach me. Then when I went to do the paper, I was surprised that ah, the maths, I don't know it so well, but I finished before everybody. <laughs> and I was looking at the papers, ah, this paper is very easy. Then I looked at the sharks in the class who do this basic stats. I said, ah, they haven't finished. The paper is so easy. Well, when the results came, I had a concessional pass. <laughs> You know what a concessional pass is? It's like you miss the pass mark by one or... And uh, if you like, come and do it again. But when you do it again, you can only get a C. And if you don't do it again, then they'll write the D on your transcript. Beloved, if I had known I would be a pastor, I would never have gone back to write that paper. 
But I did go back to write it. And I remember I asked my dad, oh, I got a concessional pass in basics, should I go? And he said, no. I took you to school to do law, not the statistics they are doing. So you are okay. But I went back and I did it and got a C. Bishop Adi came to teach me again. Chi Square, Bell Kev. I don't like those things. But... So maybe it's the same with you. You are falling asleep only in this particular course. So please, try and put yourself in it and discipline yourself. Everything is not pleasant in life, but you can pass it and move on. Amen. Remember always my basic stats. It will help you. This is it advisable to marry someone you are. Uh, can a guy who sees a lady about a few days and proposes to her be marriage material? You can tell him that, oh, he should give you time. You should get to know each other a bit. And then you see the brothers. Everything is rapid results. Oh. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like that. We need to know you. We need to be comfortable with you. You also need to know us and be comfortable with us. So this fast food, please. How can I be like you? Oh, how flattering. I think the best way to follow anybody is spiritually. Because Elijah, Elijah said to Elijah, Elijah said to Elijah, I want a double portion of your anointing and then followed him. I believe that following is not always physical. When you follow, the Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. So when you follow and follow the things they say they did, I believe that God will give you grace to be even better than the person. There's been a lot of breakups, and now I'm not so interested about beloved Dozy, even though it looks nice to me. Please, how do I renew my mind towards this feeling? Also enjoy the husband of my youth one day by renewing it. Tell yourself that your experiences are not the word of God. It's only the word of God that cannot be broken. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. But as for your experiences, they will pass away. So just take it that Romans 8.28, all things work together for good, including the breakup. It will work out for your good. Please, how can combined your relationship and academics? I think I've said that. We're getting to the end. Mommy, please, can you be dating outside your church? I think so. If he's gone, born again, but a Sunday church goer, oh. You see, everything you are committed to, you give much of yourself to, isn't it? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So if the person is only a Sunday believer, if I were you, I would be very afraid. Because the reason why your husband will stay to, with you and be faithful is not because of your beauty. It's because of the fear of God. So you need a man who fears God. A man who fears God is still a man, but at least he fears God. And he will bring those principles into the marriage. But if you have somebody who is a Sunday worshiper of God, when you marry, he's likely to stop going to church. And when we stop going, we stop being influenced by the teachings and the preachings and the atmosphere. So I would advise you, just as you would not choose something mediocre, in your relationship also and in your spiritual work, choose something quality. Amen. The three aspects of the three aspects of man, body, soul, and spirit. Who do you call a man? Ah, I mean a good man. A man who is balanced, you know, and puts the kingdom of God first is a balanced man. Uh, yes. 
we are done. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.